This is episode number 223, Data Science Trends for 2019. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today and now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, super excited to have you back on the show and happy new year. By the time you're listening to this, it is already 2019. It is a super exciting time to be alive and to be in the space of technology and data science. Very, very cool that we're all in this together. In this episode, Adlan and I got together to discuss the artificial intelligence, data science, machine learning, deep learning, and other technology trends for the coming year, for 2019. So be prepared. This is going to be quite a long episode. Uh, In fact, we actually recorded this as a webinar. So if you were on the webinar, uh, then a huge shout out to you and Maybe it's not a bad idea to listen to this stuff again to refresh it in your memory and to really solidify it. If you weren't on the webinar, this is your chance to jump into the AI and technology trends. Uh, So we had uh, hundreds of people on the webinar actually from all different countries in the world. You'll actually hear me at the start reading out the list of countries where people are coming from. And uh, we had some great interactions some good questions, good uh, points from attendees. Um, And the way we structured this podcast slash webinar, oh, by the way, you can watch it in video. So if you have a chance to watch this in video, uh, you are welcome to do so. Head on over to superdatascience.com slash 223. That's superdatascience.com slash 223. And you'll find the YouTube video there. It's already been seen at the time of this recording. It's already been seen by 4,600 people. Well, it has 4,600 views. So by lots of people, by hundreds of people. Um, If you want to watch the video or if you want to listen to podcasts, uh, feel free to continue here. Totally cool as well. Uh, Just be prepared that it does go on for quite a bit. It's almost two hours long. Um, Yeah. And so the way we structured this uh, webinar slash podcast is at the start, we reviewed our trends, our predictions for 2018. So a year ago, we made an exactly, um, we took this exactly same approach that we sat down and made predictions about 2018. This uh, webinar starts off with our review of those predictions and you will find out what accuracy rate we actually got. We had eight predictions, so you'll find out how many of them came true. Uh, And then we moved on to the 2019 uh, predictions. That happens around 45 minutes into the webinar. So if you want to jump straight ahead to that, if you don't really care about how our predictions went 2018, totally, that's totally cool. Uh, just head on over to about 45 minutes into this uh, podcast slash video. You'll find uh, that part there. And basically then we move on to the predictions for 2019. Once again, we make eight, prediction for, eight predictions for 2019. 
uh, we start off with the highest impact prediction that we see in the coming year so you're gonna have a lot of fun right away uh, learning about what is to come or what our um, view for 2019 is and what you can prepare for in the future and this podcast is designed not just to like talk about cool predictions that are coming up or things that are going to happen in 2019 this is actually to help you structure your career design your own path through technology and what you want to be working on because you want to stay relevant stay current and be focusing on things that are booming that are flourishing rather than things that are slowly fading away decaying dying off so there we go this is our uh, technology ai data science machine learning deep learning predictions for 2019 can't wait to share this podcast with you so without further ado i bring to you this webinar this podcast with our predictions and my dear friend and business partner Adelante de Pontevez. let's get started Oh my, so many people. India, Sweden, USA, USA, Sweden, Chile, uh, Melbourne, Australia. Hello to Australia, uh, Colombia, Azeroth, uh, Canada, India, Tunisia, India. Wow, so many people. Romania, Greece, Tunisia, India, Tunisia, Costa Rica. Okay, I'm going to continue from here. Uh, uh, connected with the world. That's amazing. Yeah, Brazil, Algeria. My God, so many. Malaysia. Oh, wow. Uh, India. Have we had anyone from Africa yet? I wonder. Uh, China, San Diego, San Jose, Colombia, Mexico, Singapore, Brazil, Taiwan. Oh, wow. I can just keep reading forever. Seattle, Japan, Australia, Houston, Texas, Taiwan. Thank you, everybody. Bulgaria. Thank you, everybody, for coming. This is so cool. Um, yeah, very, very exciting. To have everybody on board so today we're talking about trends for 2019 and the way we're going to structure this is we're going to look at we did a webinar like this last year with some predictions for 2018 so we're going to actually look at the predictions we made and we're going to go through them and see which ones came true which ones didn't so you guys can like um have have a little um you know uh, be excited for us that we made some correct predictions or or be like be like boo you made a bad prediction something like that um and then after that we'll look at predictions for 2019 so um we have something to work with next year yeah excited Adlan? yeah super excited and super excited to be all connected together with the world that's really amazing actually mentioned a really cool thing that is important to point out at the start it's that like what's the purpose of making all these predictions you know like anybody can make predictions and anybody you know a lot of people make it just for fun like oh you know what are the trends going to be and uh it's it's like kind of like data science is is very and data and technology is very hype and it's also really disruptive in the world right now so people just want to know what's going to happen but our purpose here and the, you will see this reflected in the predictions that we've picked our purpose here is actually to help you guys um, understand where to direct your careers in the next year, what to look out for. Because the thing is that, again, regardless of what part of what stage of uh, career you're in, whether you're beginner, advanced, you own a business, whatever it is the case, 
um, there are certain things in technology and data science analytics, they will die out and certain things will pop up. And you want to be like, you want to be flexible and adaptive to make sure that you're studying the right things, you're looking into the right technologies, you're looking into the right trends so that your career, you can get, make the most of your career. Because it would be really unfortunate to be just learning something that doesn't have a future, for example. On the other hand, it would be really cool to learn something that is like about to explode and be on the right trend. All right, so let's do this. Some of the predictions that we made last year. Um, the prediction number one uh, we talked about was AI is the new electricity. So we said that more and more businesses will be adopting AI, that this trend is not going to stop, that in 2018 you will see more happening in the space of artificial intelligence than ever before. So let's see what happened in actually 2018 about artificial intelligence. So here are some interesting stats. Um, uh, to start off with, uh, the majority of all organizations, 58% foresee modifications of their business models due to artificial intelligence within five years. So 58% of organizations see that their business model, these actual business models will be modified with artificial intelligence. Overall, 91%, and by the way, all of the links, we're not gonna go into like the sources and stuff, all of the links and the show notes you'll be able to get on Super Data Science um, uh, in, the, in the URL for this webinar, which we'll share, Leon will give it to me towards the end, we'll share it towards the end, you can get all the links there. Um, Overall, 91% of survey respondents expected new business value from AI implementations in the coming five years. So some kind of business, not just changing the business model, but some kind of business value is expected by 91% of respondents. Um, and um, basically, even those who are quite passive about artificial intelligence, about artificial intelligence um, they expect to experience AI-based benefits indirectly uh, within 81% uh, of them expect to experience AI-based benefit. I know it's a mouthful, but basically 91% of businesses see artificial intelligence somehow impacting the business in the next five years, and majority of all organizations, 58%, actually see AI modifying their business model. What are your thoughts on that, Adlan? Yeah, so I think uh, we were right about this uh, prediction, uh, and uh, actually uh, that's why we... Uh, we started uh, building a business on that, helping companies uh, uh, transitioning into AI. So these figures, first of all, are highly positive. Uh, we can see really the trend increasing in AI. Uh, we can see that uh, indeed the trust is uh, more and more uh, present in companies and businesses. Uh, people uh, in companies and managers and even executives are more and more convinced that AI can uh, disrupt their industry and bring a, a lot of added values. We can see that in even the non-AI-based uh, company starting to build AI teams and AI departments or even uh, you know, AI bureaus inside the company uh, to really disrupt and uh, transition into AI uh, so that they can uh, not uh, miss uh, the opportunity. So yes, this is really, uh, really convincing. This is really promising. And uh, this will keep continuing. Uh, in the AI 2019 trend, we'll uh, still confirm that uh, AI will be uh, an increasing one. So uh, I'm uh, really happy about these uh, figures because we are basically uh, spending all our time working on artificial intelligence. 
And so uh, we, uh, we are really happy that uh, we can help you uh, transitioning as well into AI. And uh, following on what you said at first, uh, meaning that why is it important to uh, talk about trends and why is it important to make predictions? Well, that's because uh, for me, the most fundamental reason is that uh, what, um, whether you are building a business or whether you are planning your career and developing your career, the most important thing to have is a vision, you know, a vision of uh, the time to come, the, the vision of what strategy you must adopt. And that's why if you make the right predictions, if you can foresee what's going to happen, well, this will be well aligned with your vision and you will uh, definitely leverage that in order to make better moves uh, for, uh, for your future. So it's really, really important for me to make predictions and uh, if they're the right ones, well, even better. Uh, totally agree, man. Totally agree. And also wanted to mention to our listeners, so some of you might know that Adlan and I have our own, uh, we just actually started this year in 2018, like we follow our own predictions about trends. And in 2018, we started our own consulting um, company in the space of artificial intelligence. It's called bluelife.ai, which you can find at bluelife.ai. Um, and we just started it and like right away, like so much interest, uh, like people started like asking us about projects. Uh, we've already like within a year, we've already um, talked to clients and we started working on some projects, but like specifically we talked to clients about uh, energy, the energy market. We've talked about the mining industry. We've talked about a retail, um, a retail organization about re uh, like how, um, you know, like how artificial intelligence can be used in retail. There is extreme amount of interest from businesses in the space, in this space of artificial intelligence. So that like is something that we're actually experiencing for ourselves. So I think we can sum up this, uh, this first prediction that it was a correct prediction. And uh, yeah. Yeah, one so far, one out of one. Okay. It's, and, and also I'd like to add something very important. Not only companies are adopting AI, but also governments, right? Politics, uh, because uh, pe politic people in politics are starting to invest in AI for the whole for their whole country, and that's a pretty good uh, uh, hint that uh, AI is doing well. You know that uh, people, general people, uh, start to believe in AI and what it can do to make the world a better place. Totally, totally. Purpose very important. Okay, yes. next one: blockchain. A prediction we made that look out for blockchain it's a very very important trend and um we as we, we said we follow our own predictions uh, whether they're right or wrong we like we believe in them and that's why you saw us launch a, a kickstarter campaign for blockchain uh which raised north of one hundred thousand dollars with uh, thousands of backers and uh then the course was released it's a massive course i think it's like 14 hours of content you can like learn ethereum and everything um, we really invested heavily into this topic in terms of our self-education. However, what we saw in 2018 was um, now towards the end of 2018, we can see that the interest in blockchain actually dropped compared to the start, uh, compared to December 2017, where, when there was like the peak of the interest. Um, interest in blockchain dropped 65% over the past 12 months. And... The main reason for this, probably from our um, thinking, is that the hype around Bitcoin 
had a negative dynamic and it dropped actually 80%. So blockchain dropped about 65% in interest. Bitcoin dropped about 80% in interest since uh, December last year. Um, massive drop. And yeah, what are your thoughts at on that? Indeed, indeed. The Bitcoin went from its uh, all-time high of $20,000 down to $3,000 uh, up to recently. So uh, massive drop. Yeah, there is uh, no words to uh, describe that. And a massive, significant drop. Uh, but yes, uh, I am totally convinced that uh, the hype in blockchain was on a, a significant downtrend uh, due directly to the Bitcoin uh, uh, downtrend ad, um, hype. Because people, uh, most of people associated a blockchain with cryptocurrencies at first. So since the Bitcoin is the king of cryptocurrencies, well, as long as uh, the Bitcoin is dropping down, well, the rest of cryptocurrencies uh, are dropping down as well. And therefore, the blockchain hype uh, drops down too. So I think, uh, yes, it's true to say that it's very linked to Bitcoin. However, I'm still believing in blockchain. Uh, remember, we, we predicted that blockchain was going to be a high, but we also said a lot of times, and even in, in our course, that blockchain was real, a huge wild west. And uh, I think it is still a wild west, actually. And, you know, there is this famous curve that in a wild west, you have first a big hype going up, then uh, a big hype going down, and then it's going back up again once the wild west is is calming down, you know, once the, the storm has uh, calmed down. So I think w right now we're still in the Wild West. And if we don't think about cryptocurrencies when we think of blockchain, but all the amazing applications it can have for companies, then I think it's, it's, it's still going up. We still have a lot of uh, startups and blockchain uh, developing. We still have a, a, a lot of opportunities that we can do for companies and which have nothing to do with uh, um, cryptocurrency. But for example, the best example of blockchain is IoT, Internet of Things, which to me will become one of the top trends in, in 2019. And the best IoT systems are the ones handled by blockchains today and also artificial intelligence, of course. So, um, of course, if we think about cryptocurrencies, yes, blockchain is in, is in, is in a bad downtrend. But if we think of the more general scope of blockchain, I think uh, it's not there. It, it's not alarming. I think it's uh, it's actually uh, in, in a good way, in a good progress. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, and um, somebody in the chat, by the way, guys, let's make this interactive uh, because, uh, like, we are watching. Oh, I'm watching your chat right now. And you, if you post some questions, you post your thoughts. You know, like we're mentioning a trend. Post your thoughts about. It. You agree? Disagree? What do you think? Um, and like, I'll have a look through them and I'll read out the, the most interesting ones. And somebody uh, said that, you know, indeed, bi blockchain is not just Bitcoin, but a lot of people don't see that, don't understand that. So in, in my view, blockchain, there's this thing called the Gartner hype cycle. And blockchain is going through a Gartner hype cycle. It's kind of like it goes up, it's got a peak, then it goes down, and then it, goes, it kind of like plateaus, and then so, slowly starts growing. So blockchain... And Bitcoin, well, mostly blockchain, we're talking about blockchain. It's gone through that hype part. It's dropped down. It's normal to see like such a drop. But then it'll slowly uh, like come back out of there. And, you know, so blockchain is not going anywhere. Still a cool thing to invest your time into and learn. Very interesting topic. Not that hard to, to code, but very, very powerful. Um, but at the same time, yes, indeed, this prediction for 2018 definitely failed. So I think we'll have to admit that that one was not the best prediction. All right, True. let's keep going. So the next one we talked about was, so, so far we have one out of two. Uh, the next one we had was security. 
we highly uh, recommended people to look into security because that's a like users data, very, very data driven topic, uh, especially like IT security, information security, data security. Um, so what happened in 2018? What did we see? Well, first things first, we saw the GDPR come on, right? The uh, Was it called global or general data privacy regulation in Europe? I think that's what, what it stands yeah. for. G GDPR in Europe, massive impact. Um, lots of, um, you know, lots of companies had to adopt new ways, like like our businesses, we had to we had to um, assign um, data. What are they called? Um, data officers, like data regulation officers within the business. If you're dealing with European clients, you have to have a data officer, somebody who's going to be looking after, you know, like that the efficacy of the business in terms of data, how it treats data, that all the regulations are followed. Massive changes. A lot of companies, you know, like had to adapt to their operations to these new policies. And that's all because like governments are becoming more conscious. By the way, GDPR was the first change in data regulations in Europe in the past 20 years. Massive, right? Like a big thing. And um, and on top of that, what else did we see? We saw that um, hacks, hacks are continuing to happen. The city of Atlanta was locked down for uh, like a ransomware. I think they demanded $50,000 uh, $50, or something like that. Uh, and... Um, and they refused to pay. And then they started like like the whole, like the databases uh, of some of the uh, government operations, uh, public services of Atlanta were locked down and they had to start pulling it all apart and they're investigating. They spent millions of dollars just like fixing the situation. Another one was a recent, just a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, the Marriott hack for 500 million accounts were hacked, including, uh, you know, first name, last name, um, you know, stay stays at the Marriott hotels and uh, passport details. You know, credit card details. You know, like for some of those uh, that were affected, five hundred million, half a billion affected. I think it's like accounts uh, or transactions, but like a massive amount of um, data was stolen. So all in all, lots of things were going on in the space, and uh, what we saw in general is a increase of. Where was that number? Uh, interest in cybersecurity rose by 61% in 2018. It's very interesting if you type in cybersecurity into Google Trends, you'll see like an exponential curve uh, building up. 61% compared to last year. So massive growth. Adlan, what are your thoughts on that? Why, why, why do you think cybersecurity is becoming such a popular topic? Well, uh, first, uh, all the figures and examples you said are pretty alarming. Uh, it's uh, totally obvious that there is a need for much uh, more, uh, much stronger IT security systems. And uh, but the good thing about that is that uh, it's uh, um, a great thing for the AI because mm. AI has a huge role to play in IT security. Uh, I know the master's programs in IT security because I have some friends who did it, and they actually place uh, AI at the at the heart of this of the programs uh, to handle them better. So uh, it impacts artificial intelligence. It also impacts blockchain again because uh, there ha there had been some uh, breach in blockchain systems, uh, and even I think some of the cryptocurrencies were hacked. So uh, it's uh, there's breaches everywhere in data. Uh, uh, blockchains, 
And uh, I think the, the, sa the savior of uh, all this is uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, because indeed, in our, in our courses, for example, uh, we, we did a, a few case studies or examples of uh, how AI can, how we can leverage AI uh, to build some security systems. Like we made a, a fraud detector, for example. Uh, well, that's a classic example of uh, how AI can help. But um, now with all the decentralized systems uh, combined to artificial intelligence systems, which makes uh, an IoT system, uh, that will play a huge role in IT security. And, uh, and indeed, um, uh, the programs are increasing. Uh, the companies are, um, are increasing their need for uh, IT security systems. And uh, AI will um, play a better and better role in that. So definitely a prediction that was correct. And that is uh, in the uptrend continuing for 2019. Nice, nice. So that's really cool. And I wanted to ask our audience, how about, how about, who has heard about at least, apart from this webinar, who has heard about at least one cyber attack in this year, in 2018? So just like, if you haven't, say no. If you have, say yes. Let's, let's all have a look and see how many, you know, people are saying, well, you know, thinking, have heard stuff, have heard, haven't heard stuff about Artificial intelligence. Uh, I mean, sorry, cybersecurity. I'm already jumping forward, ahead, far ahead. All right. So, like, let's have a look. You can see, we can see them slowly trickling in. Yeah. Multiple attacks. So, like, it's obvious. Whoever's looking at the chat, you, you can see that. Yeah. Like 90%? What do we say, Adlan? Yeah, 90% of yes. 90% would say yes. So, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. So there we go. That's um, um, that's what's happening in the world with um, in the whole space of cybersecurity. Very very powerful uh, topic. Um, so so far, I would say that that was a successful prediction. That was like number three. So so far, we have two out of three. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Let's see if we can get better than that. Okay. Um, deep learning as a mainstream. Adlan, you're the expert on this. What are your thoughts? How has deep learning evolved in 2018? Do you think that was a correct prediction? Well, um, about two, uh, 2018, uh, sure, there has been some development, but I have a, a huge announcement for 2019. But that has to do with 2018. You know, you will find the, we will all find the motivation in 2018 uh, to uh, this new era that is coming in 2019. So what I'm talking about is that the biggest question uh, everyone has ever had about deep learning is how do I find the right architecture of the neural network to do my uh, application, whether it is to classify some images, whether it is to do some object uh, recognition in some uh, uh, videos, or whether, whether it is to, do a, uh, to apply a deep learning for medicine. Well, there is so, so much uh, degrees of freedom uh, when building uh, the architecture of a neural network that uh, it is the most the biggest challenge in deep learning figuring out that architecture and the biggest progress the biggest state-of-the-art uh, breakthrough that is appearing right now in deep learning is the answer to that question what is the best architecture for my specific application and this is uh, a new field in artificial intelligence and deep learning as well called deep neuro evolution. And it, and it is the technique that allows to answer that question. What is going to be the best number of layers in the neural network? What is going to be the best uh, number of neurons or hidden uh, neurons in the hidden layers of a neural network? 
that will uh, provide me with the highest accuracy for my specific application. So this uh, is uh, amazing for the field of deep learning and deep reinforcement learning and artificial intelligence because for many years, people have been asking the same question. Uh, really, do I need to be an artist to figure out the best architecture? And no, right now, uh, the technique, the ultimate technique is coming to answer that question. So that's pretty amazing. But sorry, yes, I uh, talk, talked about 2019. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk more about 2019 coming up. And uh, But in general, like we've seen um, Google invest a lot of time. So if you go to uh, Google uh, Publications database, you will see that um, uh, they published about 565 research papers in 2018. And approximately um, just, just short of 400 of those publications are to do with the space of deep learning or some kind of machine learning like and, and most of the machine learning the research that they do is in the is towards the deep learning as from from what i understand might be wrong there but uh anyway like you can have a look at the google research papers and a lot of them are tailored to deep learning natural language processing image recognition uh we saw um self-driving cars like take on more and more um market and slowly like getting used in more and more states in the u.s uh, although you know with some restrictions for now but all of that is also deep learning all that is enabled by deep learning uh, another re really exciting thing is that um a new tensorflow is coming out uh, any, any comments on that that's that's definitely like a statement that deep learning is here and it's here to stay uh, adlan you have any comments about the new tensorflow yes of course tensorflow 2.0 is coming everyone is really really excited about that uh, and besides, uh, TensorFlow has made a lot of progress uh, uh, this year, in 2018. Uh, I have to admit that uh, I had a preference first for PyTorch, because PyTorch was the first to introduce the dynamic graphs, which allowed some much faster computations of the gradients during the training than TensorFlow. But now TensorFlow has made some progress with that. TensorFlow is working with graphs now, uh, and uh, we have some amazing uh, um, training uh, efficiency. So uh, actually, the last uh, AI course that we've made uh, is with TensorFlow, because I was really convinced uh, that, that it was uh, great uh, for what we built. And besides, we built uh, the most powerful AI model that uh, exists today. So uh, yes, a great thing about TensorFlow, TensorFlow 2.0 is coming. And actually, as soon as it, as it is coming, we plan to make a course on that. So, uh, yes, but uh, still, I would like to say that PyTorch on the side is absolutely amazing as well. So it's really uh, now depends depending on uh, which uh, AI platform you prefer, you know, which one you're most comfor comfortable with. Uh, because, uh, but in terms of techniques, now they're both equally the same. Um, and uh, and now Keras is really amazing as well, based uh, built uh, on TensorFlow. Uh, actually, I still recommend to start with Keras at first uh, when you start with deep learning, and then if you want to get into the real complicated stuff and make some more uh, manual models, well, uh, TensorFlow is an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Uh, you can see that people are saying deep learning is the future, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're going. Okay, um, so that's good. So how many we got? One, two, three, uh, four. So so I have three out of four. Uh, number five was persistent growth of the Hadoop market. But we we talk more we talk more about like uh, big data, so that people should look into big data and um, how everything is going there. Um, and 
reality, what we saw is big data wasn't as popular this year. It actually kind of like dropped off. Here are some stats. Um, according to Wise Guy Reports, global Hadoop analytics market cap uh, in 2016 was $5.2 billion. In 2000, um, sorry, and then in, uh, oh, my bad. So in 2016 was $7 billion, 2017 was $8 billion, $8.1 billion. And in 2018, it's estimated to be $7.7 billion. So as you can see, it kind of dropped off. Now market growth, uh, market is expected to return to growth in about 2020. Very interesting. I was like thinking about this, um, you know, you have more and more data in the world, more and more um companies need data how come you know if you if you look for google trends for hadoop for um what's it called a spark even spark 2.0 apache spark and so on like you always you kind of see like a peak and then kind of like trickles off a little bit so interesting situation what do you think adlan why, why do you think this interest in big data and big data tools is kind of like dropped off a little this year Yes, it, indeed, it was uh, really surprising. I wasn't actually sure of uh, the real reason behind the drop. Um, but I think it's because um, since systems are, are becoming more and more automated and there are more and more uh, cloud platform solutions, which you can use to uh, handle your data just like that without having anything to do. So let's not forget that we have all the cloud solutions. We have uh, AWS, we have Paperspace, we have Microsoft Azure. We have Google Cloud Platforms and also uh, the IBM uh, IBM Cloud Solution. So, uh, with all this, it's actually normal. I think that uh, you know there is a, um, a downward trend in uh, the systems like Hadoop, which were the the way we did things before when we implemented the big big data system with our with our own hands. Right now, we rather use automated systems, which uh, allow very well to uh, handle big data. And actually, that's what we did in our company. So uh, really, uh, I think it has to do with the cloud platforms. But maybe I'm wrong. Okay, gotcha. Um, I, th I think I, 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 it's an interesting thought that maybe, maybe like to extend a bit what, what you were saying, maybe the way we were using big data previously was kind of like, limited to the tools we had and predominantly you know when big data came around uh deep learning wasn't as um as prevalent as it is now and it was mostly <clears throat> like machine learning tools and people were like i think it was kind of like limited and so basically this whole prediction that by 2020 this trend will pick up maybe now we're going to develop the tools a bit more and then we'll see oh okay now we actually do need we see like a bigger purpose for big data again, like a better purpose, more powerful purpose. Let's get back into that space. I think eventually big data is gonna is, is here, right? It's it's just like it slowed down the trend, but it's still there. Um, but I think it, it's gonna be necessary for companies anyway because we're not gonna run away from this data in any time soon. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four, five. So that one was probably a failed prediction a bit early, right? It'll happen later on. So out of five, we have three, three out of five. All right, let's see if we can, if this can improve. Another comment we made, another trend we identified was augmented reality. 
Um, and so what happened in the space of augmented reality in 2018? So augmented reality, we're not at the end of the year yet. So this report was made a bit earlier, uh, somewhere in the middle of 2018, but already based on the data that was available, it was predicted that in 2018, um, our augmented reality, virtual reality products and services would reach $27 billion. That is a 92% increase year over year. Now, even if this is not 100% accurate, there can be like some margin of error there because uh, we're not at the end of the year yet and this was prediction was made earlier. Still, like even if it's a 92%, even if it's like an 80% increase, that's a massive increase uh, of... Um, you know, the spending on artificial uh, augmented reality and virtual reality products and services. Massive, massive trend. Uh, we see lots of companies slowly getting into that space um, of finding ways that they can implement, they can implement those technologies and augment their services uh, or create new services and products with those uh, tools. Uh, what are your thoughts on the AR, VR trends at one? Yeah, definitely uh, increasing increasing trends. A uh, trend um, in the in twenty in twenty eighteen. Not only in the fun business, you know, uh, it was uh, a lot used in video games and uh, and games in general, but also in as you said, uh, the several industries. Uh, medicine leveraged that. Uh, real estate leveraged that. So there are many applications we can find of augmented reality. And yes, for me, there is absolutely no doubt that. It is an increasing trend. It has been an increasing trend for 2018 and it is going to continue in 2019. That's for sure. And it's, uh, in a, according to yes, my estimation, going to uh, uh, reach um, uh, a couple of hundreds of billions of dollars market uh, in 2019. Great. Um, so that's six, that was six trends we talked about. Four out of six. I think that one was a successful trend. And those who listened to this prediction got into that space, I think, are getting some great benefits from that. Um, next trend we talked about, very interesting one, uh, digital twins. So digital twins, what is that all about? Digital twins, just as a reminder, is when um, you have a real physical object, like an airplane or, I don't know, like a big piece of mining equipment, and then you have a twin, like an, a copy of that object in a simulated environment on a computer. So it's like a simulation, but the simulation is actually attached, it's actually linked to a real life object, like let's say a, a plane. Um, and then instead of just like, you, you take the data from the real object, you pass it on to the, the twin, and then you monitor the twin and you try, try to understand when will it require maintenance? How will it perform in certain circumstances? Uh, what are the you know, drawbacks, benefits, how can you improve it, and so on. So instead of doing all those tests on the real object, which is sometimes impossible, you know, if the plane is constantly flying, you do need to maintain it. But like if it's in the air, how are you going to maintain it? How are you going to run analysis? Well, you have the digital twin for that. And so our prediction was that uh, digital twins are going to be an important trend in 2018. This is what we saw. 48% of organizations that are implementing the uh, are implementing Internet of Things are already using or plan to use digital twins in 2018. Uh, in addition, the number of participating organizations using digital twins will triple by 2022. That's Gartner, uh, report by Gartner. Uh, the global market for digital twins is expected to grow 38% annually to reach $16 billion by 2023. That's a report by Deloitte. So, massive trend. What are your thoughts, Adlan? 
Yeah, massive trend and uh, also a massive trend in the, the science fiction world because more and more people are starting to spread the idea that we might be digital twins ourselves in a simulated environment. So, of course, that science fiction, uh, our imagination can uh, imagine great ideas. But, um, yes, digital twins are uh, becoming an uptrend. And, uh, and it's fascinating. It's fascinating how people can uh, use them today to uh, gain a lot of uh, value in their business. Uh, so uh, I think it will continue uh, to grow. Uh, digi um, digital twins, uh, uh, by the way, are, are applied in uh, some amazing application uh, industry, uh, such as yeah, you said, you mentioned um, the digital planes. Uh, also, uh, in uh, simulated environments where you can build some avatars of yourself and have your characters in a video game. So we can find, as for augmented reality and virtual reality, some applications of digital twins in both uh, the fun world and uh, the industry world, the business world. And uh, yes, yeah, so this uh, is all good hints to say that uh, it is becoming indeed in, uh, in an uptrend. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, people should look into building careers in that space? Looks like it's gonna explode in the next couple of years. Yes, I think uh, yeah, I think people should uh, start considering it. Not only because uh, it will explode, and also because it, it is fascinating. I mean, I would love to uh, work uh, my career on that. It's mm. uh, a futuristic uh, subject. Uh, it's uh, highly focused on uh, technologies. It will uh, leverage several uh, technologies that uh, exist today. So yes, I I would only recommend. But of course, uh, I would uh, keep on the side uh, a security option in case it takes time to. Uh, to develop, but um, yes, it, I think it's um, it's already uh, starting to be in good position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And speaking of exciting, uh, Leonid told me that uh, Formula One use digital twins. That they they actually like usually like have three drivers, two are racing, and one is predominantly focusing on testing stuff out. And the way they test is they don't actually test with the real car; they test in the dynamic, uh, what are called, like, uh, aero tubes where, like, the air is pushed against the car or in those digital twin environments. So it's pretty cool, like, you know, Formula One racing uses yeah. that type of stuff. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to the next trend. So I think that was a successful prediction. Um, so far, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, five out of seven. One more, self-serve analytics that um, this is like we're moving into a world where people and organizations are organizations are empowering employees to more and more have access to analytics themselves and rather than waiting for a report from the data scientists or uh, requesting some information they can just go in and look at that and, and it, like educate themselves on the information they're looking for and make decisions based on that so one thing that we found here is that uh, it is um, in 2018, self-serve analytics remained one of the three most important trends uh, in the business intelligence world, along with data discovery and uh, data uh, with, ma with master data and data quality management. Sorry, uh, data quality management and data discovery, and then it was uh, self-serve analytics. So uh, was it was an important trend, and it remained an important trend. Um, I think that's a report by uh, bisurvey.com. So why? The question is, why is self-serve analytics such an important aspect of today's 
data-driven world. What do you think, Adlan? Well, to me, this is um, pretty obvious, actually, because anything that has to do with self is exactly the new thing today. You know, uh, artificial intelligence is nothing else than a self-system because it is self-learning. And so in business intelligence, the new obvious uh, added value will be the self-serve analytics, as it says. So um, basically, what, it is, what, what is it exactly? It's uh, like a system uh, that will uh, optimize and automate the business intelligence process within uh, an industry or within a company. And uh, that's why, to me, this is really the, the natural next step in business intelligence because it combines business intelligence with machine learning, uh, even deep learning, and AI. So, yes, uh, this is a natural uptrend, which will, therefore, for me, continue in 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally, totally agree. And, in, like, in my view, self-serve analytics, like, is is kind of like empowering people imagine imagine uh, the like when we drive cars my favorite example of cars right like we we don't need to know how a car works inside right it might i don't know what the difference between a crankshaft and a camshaft is really don't and more <laughs> frankly i don't care i just i just need to know which pedals to press where put put the petrol in self-serve analytics is kind of like that in the sense that there are these super powerful tools like deep learning artificial intelligence uh, machine learning um, you know, all of these like super uh, useful things that we can use, but some people never, you know, never want to learn programming, never want to learn how to even, you know, visualize stuff in Tableau and things like that. And, but they want to be able to leverage the benefits of those uh, tools. So that's where self-server analytics comes in. It's like, you know, instead of chopping things up with a knife, here's a blender, go and blend it together. You know, like that's all you need to know. You don't need to know how it works inside. So of course people are going to jump on top of that as long as you educate them. Like you, you give the right resources for them to learn how to use them. Okay, so that was a, a trend uh, and it remained a trend. So in total, to sum up our predictions for 2018, there were eight trends that we talked about. Uh, AI being the new electricity, to quote Andre Ingne, uh, blockchain security, uh, cybersecurity, uh, deep learning, uh, Hadoop, augmented reality, digital twins, software analytics, and so far we got six out of eight. I think it's not a bad score, six out of eight, right? 75% accuracy rate. Yeah, it's not Ray Kurzweil's uh, prediction uh, accuracy rate, but uh, it's still pretty good, I think. Yes, Very good, very good. Okay, moving on to the exciting stuff. It's been 45 minutes and we're now finally moving on to 2019. Exciting, Woo-hoo. yeah. Yes, things are coming in 2019. I'm so excited about this new year. I'm really yeah. excited. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Like every time it gets better, right? The, the... Yeah, yeah, and um, and it seems that there are going to be some answers in 2019. Mm, answers to what? Well, uh, you know, for example, uh, deep learning. Uh, what is uh, what is going to be the ne- next breakthrough in deep learning? Well, uh, uh, we know what it is and. This is what I reveal in the, in the, in, the, in our new course. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes, this is really a breakthrough in deep learning. Yeah. Um, well, what else is going to be? Well, IoT, of course, mm-hmm. Internet of Things. It's yeah. going to be the big thing. And why is that? It's because it uh, it is the it reflects the new power that we can find in technologies, which are hybrid systems. Mm-hmm. You know, technologies were developing alone so far 
And now we're starting to combine them. We're yeah. starting to combine all of them. Like we can combine an AI to a blockchain today to create an IoT system. Uh, we can co combine uh, technologies in medicine to artificial intelligence to create a hybrid system that will uh, cure some diseases. Uh, and uh, we, we, we build more and more hybrid system, but um, that are becoming optimized by this uh, deep neural evolution uh, branch of deep learning that I've mentioned, and which in, uh, improve in a significantly way uh, the models. So that's, uh, that's something I'm really excited about, and I'm, I look forward to uh, implementing these models for uh, diverse applications and industries. And I think this is what people should uh, start uh, to focus on right now when they are studying AI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and also like look at case studies, right? Not just not just learn them, but actually, as you said, see how you can apply them in different industries. That's yeah. that's a powerful part. Okay, so not to keep everybody waiting, we're gonna dive straight into it, and we're actually gonna start with our biggest and most exciting announcement. We were thinking of leaving the you know best for last, but we know like some of you might have to run and you know timing and stuff like that. So we're gonna make the the biggest prediction first yeah yeah besides someone just asked the question on the, the, on question, the chat really? what did they ask if you notice uh, uh look at uh, one of the previous questions i i think this is what you're about to reveal i'm not sure so yeah yeah see. yeah well i'm not sure either <laughs> okay. all right so is if it was what i was thinking about all right is that the question i'd learn a new course from you guys that question that's the yeah. one Okay, all right. So we have a massive trend uh, which is coming, and Adlan has been on top of it for the past couple of months. You presented for the first time at Data Science Go, right, about this trend. That's and right. Everybody was like, "Wow!" And nobody knew. No, it, like it was nobody knew what's going to hit them, and and that was like what October, so November, so two months ago you presented. How how long have you been monitoring this trend before we name it? Well. Um the, the the new trend is a really recent one. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it's a brand new thing. So, yeah. I would say that uh, I discovered about this uh, not not more than one month before DSCO. So about three months. It's been around for three months, and you've been on top of it. Okay, yes. okay, well, it's very cool. And it's funny. It's very interesting how you announced it at Data Science Go something that is a trend. And like now we're slowly seeing it to actually start take shape in the world. You know, like. You kind of feel it happening. All right, like without without um, making everybody wait any longer, would you would you mind announcing what the big trend for 2019 is? Okay, the big trend for 2019 is going to be the hybrid intelligence systems optimized by deep neural evolution. Mm. That's a mouthful. What is that? Give us a quick. Give us a quick uh, overview. What is what is uh, what a hybrid intelligence system optimized by neuroevolution? Okay, so basically, um, so far we have been uh, building AI models separately, like single AI models, and uh, we've we've tried to improve them. We've tried to improve them by adding some new features and adding some new techniques, and you know, like uh, improving the optimizers that will. Uh, update the parameters of the models to figure out the best ones or adding uh, some feature of, uh, to the AI that can uh, do something more than see, uh, do some mathematics and uh, remember and have a critic sense like was the case. But 
Um, the thing is that we've been trying to improve the single AIs by themselves. We've been uh, improving uh, slightly the performance, uh, but the big breakthrough that appeared recently was not by adding a feature to an existing AI, but by building a team of the most powerful AI models. And therefore, the new breakthrough in artificial intelligence that we have today is a hybrid intelligence system, meaning a, a, a team combining the most powerful AI models. And uh, this is exactly what this brand new model in the AI ecosystem uh, is and was invented recently, which is called the full world model. And it is exactly a hybrid artificial intelligence that combines several deep learning models and mostly it combines several branches of artificial intelligence. It combines deep learning, it combines also deep reinforcement learning because you have uh, some um, model AI model based on deep learning and also of course it combines the, the most powerful branch of artificial intelligence which is policy gradient because uh, one of the components of the uh, full world model will be optimized by evolution strategies which is the state-of-the-art model in the policy gradient range of artificial intelligence, and uh, it will basically uh, figure out the best parameters for your model. And so this is exactly what I mean by optimized by deep neuroevolution, because deep neuroevolution is the, um, you know, the cherry on the cake that will tell you which uh, parameters uh, are the ideal ones for your model. And, uh, and about that, uh, well, this was so exciting uh, to, to figure out this breakthrough that uh, we couldn't uh, uh, help but for the um, past, two, past few weeks to work on that and build a course for this. So here we go. That's the big announcement. We are releasing a course on this hybrid intelligence systems optimized by deep neural evolution. It was so exci exciting to work on that because um, not only we built a hybrid team of uh, intelligent systems, but also we uh, built an artificial intelligence that has the ability to dream. Like, you know, when uh, the solutions are, uh, the best solutions are found in our sleep, well, we added this new feature in the artificial intelligence, a feature that allows the artificial intelligence to sleep and dream so that it can recreate its observations of the environment like in a dream, like what uh, humans do when we sleep. So that, that was so fascinating to uh, implement. And that's also a big new feature in this uh, new trend in the hybrid model. So uh, yes, it was, uh, it was amazing to work on that. And uh, it is, it is going to keep continuing. It is going to, um, uh, the, the trend of hybrid intelligence systems optimized by this new um, evolution strategy branch of art, artificial intelligence will be uh, will be the next new um, trends and breakthrough in this community, in this ecosystem. Mm, man, that is so, so exciting. Um, would, you, would you say that having multiple AI models working together is kind of like random forest where you, can, you take the average or is it something more complex uh, for the benefit or instead of my benefit? You know, how, how is it best to understand? How do they work? How do they manage to work together? No, 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 it's, it's much more complex than a random forest because in a random forest, it's just basically a bunch of trees uh, doing the same thing, you know, predicting the same uh, outcome and working on the same basis. But here in this new uh, system of, a, you know, hybrid intelligence system, 
Well, you really have several components that are doing completely different things. For example, in, in this new model, the full world model, you will have one deep learning model that will uh, take care of visualizing the input images, the input frames. You will have one other model that will dream about the environment and recreate the environment inside a dream to learn inside it in a much better way. And this model is a variational autoencoder. Then you will have another model which is uh, MTN uh, RNN, Recurrent Neural Network, which will remember basically better uh, uh, its training so that it can play better actions to maximize uh, the, the reward and increase the performance. Then you will have a controller, you know, doing something totally different, a separate controller that will uh, optimize the actions to play. And you will have some, again, totally different things, doing totally different things. We'll have the optimizers based on evolution strategies that will figure out the best parameters separately of your different models inside the full world model. So really, it has nothing to do with, with random forest. It's like a very complex system of several AIs working together, but each having their own particular role. And that's the first time I've ever seen that in artificial intelligence. So the full world model is the first the really first world model, that, uh, AI model that uh, is based on such an idea. And besides, it has the fascinating uh, ability to have a model inside that can dream and also can gain some performance inside the dream. So pretty a big breakthrough in artificial intelligence, I must say. Yeah, man, that is, that is crazy. We're already getting some questions from from the chat when is this going to go live when are people going to be able to get their hands on this new course and learn all about the hybrid ai model well uh, the answer to that question is in four hours, four <laughs> hours. <laughs> that was unexpected <laughs> in four hours people will be able to get exactly what we've been talking about and actually I can see a great question in uh, in uh, in the chat is uh, more like a nervous system. Yes, exactly. This is a great question because with this model that is not only hybrid and you know uh, able to dream, well, we are getting closer to how human we uh, humans we think and we uh, make predictions because indeed this deep neuroevolution new trend of AI is the one that can uh, really optimize the neural systems, the neural networks in the AI. So it's, it's, it's a really good question. We are getting closer to uh, human intelligence, basically, thanks to deep neuroevolution. Yes, that is fast. That is in, really in four hours. Yes, it's going to be in four hours. But we've been working on this for like uh, uh, two months, basically since it appeared in the research paper. And uh, it, I, I have to say, I have never been, been the, that uh, excited to work on, on an AI like that for the hybrid nature and because it can dream. And that made me realize that indeed it reflects very well the human intelligence because I myself in my experience was able to find uh, the solutions to the toughest problems uh, right after waking up. Therefore, if something happened during my sleep. And I think this is how the inventor of this model figured out this amazing and fascinating idea of you know, putting an AI that can dream to gain some performance. And indeed, when we see the results, uh, well, this is obvious that it really works. It really, really works. And actually, in this new course, there is something very exciting that we will do. We'll do uh, a competition 
between human intelligence and artificial intelligence, meaning that we will race a car, we will race a car, and we will play. Uh, we will play the game. We will actually be with our keyboards and uh, ra uh, driving that car, and we will race it against the artificial intelligence. So this will be the first time in the course that we do an AI versus HI competition, and uh, this is something pretty exciting uh, in this course. Nice, very cool, very cool, man. And uh, speaking of um, sleeping, <laughs> you haven't been sleeping much, have you, recently? Uh, no, I was so excited about this course that I haven't uh, been sleeping uh, at all uh, the past few days. Uh, but no worries, the, the energy is still here. You know, I think that uh, sleeping is mostly about getting back the energy. And, you know, the fascination and the excitement is so high for this course. The passion is so high that, you know, it's impossible for me to sleep more than uh, three hours per day. So, uh, yes, indeed, I haven't been sleeping much, but I'm sure that once the course is released and, uh, and, uh, and the demo is live, well, I, I'll have the most amazing sleep of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go, guys. Uh, make sure to check your uh, inboxes or any other announcement we send out um, on social media in four hours from now to get your early access to uh, the course. Oh, Adlan told me there's some some incredible bonuses attached to the, you know, to the early access. Yes, the the, the thing is that um, uh, you know, um, working on this AI took so much time that, and I was waiting for the next uh, info actually by you know the people in the community were the top people were working on this, and so at the same time, at the same time during the the, the two months. I worked on the bonuses when I was waiting for something. And therefore, the, the bonuses were prepared so much in advance, you know, because usually we make the bonuses uh, before, uh, you know, before the launch or after making the course. Well, this time was different. We made, we've made the bonuses for two months uh, or even three during the same time we were making the course. And therefore, the bonuses at some point became like a whole separate course. They yeah. became so huge that they're like a whole separate course so indeed with this new course what what is very very special is the bonuses as well because they're so huge the content is so huge we've made so much content on this that you know they're like a whole separate course so basically let's put it this way with the course you'll get of course the full world models but with the course plus the bonuses you'll get the um trpo which is the state of the art model in the policy gradient branch trust region policy optimization which provides as well amazing results and also one amazing model that appeared very recently the research <laughs> from russia yeah, model from russia <laughs> appeared in the late october beginning of november this is a model called cat boost and why is that amazing it's because it is the it is the most powerful model uh, providing the highest accuracy when your data set has categorical features and that's what the cat and cat boost comes from categorical features. And today, all the data sets have categorical features. In fact, in our courses, every everyone asks us about categorical features, how to better handle them. Well, the thing about cat boost is that not only it is the state-of-the-art machinery model that provides the highest accuracy, but also it is the one that handles the best the categorical features. So it is a must-have in the toolkit, the cat boost model, because it is not only powerful, but also super practical for the data sets we're working with today. No, not Cat Booster. Cat Boost. Yeah, Cat Boost. Antonio, you got the right one. Cat yeah. Boost. And it is, of course, based on the gradient boosting models, which are like the, the most 
efficient one in machine learning. Awesome. Okay. There you go, guys. Once again, you heard Adlan, uh, course coming out in four hours. Make sure to jump on top of it and join us inside the class. All right, let's move on to the next trend. So we spent quite a bit of time on hybrid AI models. Big trend for next year, biggest one. But what other trends do we have coming up in 2019? So an important one that I would like to point out is data literacy. Um, what is that all about? Well, organizations are, we're moving into a data-driven slash model-driven world, you know, like, model-driven is even beyond data-driven, is when you have a model running a business like Amazon or Google, where, where something like a recommender system or something like that. But in any case, whether it's data-driven, model-driven, we're moving into a data-powered world where businesses need to like make use of this asset that they have, this very powerful asset they have, data, which is usually underutilized. And it, business, every business has it. It's just a matter of how are they capturing, storing, and processing that data. Um, the, the businesses that do use their data, both other things being equal, will outsmart, outperform their competitors, will have lower costs, higher efficiency. So businesses want to get onto that train. And one of the ways to do that is not to just only have a data science department, which is important, but actually to have data science, like data scientists across all the board of the organization in the sense that People who work in the organization, the employees, the staff of, a, uh, of the organization are actually educated in the space of data and can do, derive some basic insights or can use insights that others have derived and get benefits from data. And that's where the concept of citizen data scientists comes about. And so here's an interesting statistic. Um, more than 40% of data science tasks will be automated by 2020, resulting in increased productivity and broader usage of data and analytics by citizen data scientists, according to Gartner. So if tasks are going to be automated, more than 40%, you want people to be able to um, use those results for those tasks. Gartner also predicts that citizen data scientists will surpass data scientists in the amount of advanced analysis produced by 2019. That is pretty intense. What do you think, Adlan? Yes, that's a really, really, really intense. Uh, I heard about this uh, data literacy and also data legacy. Legacy, you have to build a data legacy uh, when being a data scientist, which comes again to uh, the importance of having a vision, having a strategy, having uh, a good uh, prediction some good predictions. So uh, yes, uh, data literacy uh, should uh, should be one of the new one of the next um, you know buzzwords in uh, in the data science ecosystem. Uh, and indeed these statistics are amazing uh, that uh, more than 40% of data scientists will be automated by 2020. Uh, that will definitely increase uh, productivity and that will definitely uh, enlarge the opportunities uh, in the data systems. And again, remember that uh, we were wrong about Hadoop and all, all these uh, big data systems, but uh, this uh, data literacy uh, and uh, statistics will definitely bring that up back uh, in uh, 2019 or the years to come. So um, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's my view of uh, data literacy. It's really uh, good that we can uh, talk about this. Mm -hmm. Awesome, definitely. And um, you know, that's something for data scientists and people listening to this podcast to think about. How can you help your organization 
take advantage of this trend? Like actually get on top of it. How can you maybe run a course within your organization to help people improve their data literacy? Like I did that personally a couple of times in organizations where I helped people understand the insights or how to use the tools, the self-server analytics and so on. So it's not just like a trend that we're throwing out there. All of these trends are for you to take advantage of, whether it's to learn a new tool for yourself or to somehow enhance your career or help others or help your organization in general. Get on top of this trend. Okay, uh, next big one is cloud. Our favorite cloud, cloud, cloud. Um, did you, Adlan, did you know, did we talk about this? Uh, the cloud is actually underwater. How crazy is that? That, uh, you know, the cables that go between continents, that the, the internet cables, they're all underwater, under the ocean. So when you think about it, the cloud is not like celestial, it's like underwater. You, you, scared, you scared me, I thought you meant the metaphor underwater. You know, like it's a. Ah, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Physically, it's physically like underwater. It's yeah, okay. I didn't know that. It's underwater. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. there's, a, there's a really cool map online of uh, the internet cables. Um, anyway, let's let's do a quick stat here. So, um, worldwide public cloud services market is projected to grow 17.3% in 2019 uh, from 175 Point eight billion dollars this year, one hundred seventy-five point eight billion dollars this year to over two hundred. In fact, two hundred and six point two billion dollars next year. That's a massive amount and a massive growth. What are your thoughts, Adlan? Why why do you say why would you say that cloud is growing so fast and is becoming such an important trend in this technological world? Well. It's really directly because of the need. Uh, companies have a higher and higher need for these uh, cloud systems. And uh, at the same time, Amazon is doing so great on their offer. So, you know, it's the system of uh, offer and demand, offer and need. Uh, this comes very well together. This is meet uh, uh, the offer uh, need, uh, demand uh, cross is uh, right in the spot right now. So uh, I think it is basically on a good momentum uh, there is more and more need for these cloud systems and actually uh, we are the first in need of in need of it we're using cloud systems our, ourselves today in our company uh, to handle big data and to uh, automate uh, machinery pipelines and ai pipelines so really um, the the answer is, is is obvious it is it is because it is so practical in companies you know companies want to optimize their process they want to uh, gain efficiency, and this is what these cloud systems allow them to do. So, for me, this is really this really comes well with the major concerns and major um, goals that executives and the companies have today in their uh, business process. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the, but why 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 would you say that companies, you know, like before? I remember when I was working in the industry back in 2000, when was this, 2014, like there, there was a lot of fear, a lot of um, kind of pushback and apprehension from companies to move to the cloud. They were like, you know, security is a risk and we don't want our data to be sitting or even processed in the cloud. Uh, what if somebody hacks it and so on? And like, in fact, I've witnessed companies like cloud was already there, but I saw companies spend $20 million, like a, a specific company without naming the names, 
spend $20 million on installing servers locally, on upgrading their servers. They already had servers. They, they outgrew their servers instead of moving to the cloud. They upgraded their servers. for tw they, they started you know, talking to vendors about upgrading the servers for $20 bucks. Uh, whereas moving to a cloud would have been much, more, much cheaper and easier scalable. The benefit of this cloud is that it's so scalable. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, more time has passed. More, and even though we have more cybersecurity attacks and threats and so on, more organizations are open-minded about the cloud and are happy to go and uh, explore this option and actually go with it. Why? What do you think changed in the world in the past couple of years? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I know what happened. Um, actually, I have a, a worse example uh, of, uh, than the one you said. Uh, back in uh, a few years ago, I, I, um, I knew a company that actually spent... Hundred million dollars. Wow! Yes, hundred million dollars in uh, that kind of system where today they could use the cloud for a lot cheaper. And uh, speaking of cheaper, yes, the cloud systems are becoming cheaper and cheaper. But what I wanted to say is that I think the reason for you know uh, this suddenly working so well and uh, developing so well for companies is that there were a few failures uh, at the beginning. That's for sure. Like these. Uh, uh, companies investing a lot of money on their own uh, system where, instead of using the cloud. And then at some point, I thought that I, I think that what happened is that uh, some companies um, adopted the cloud and this turned to be a success. And then came the domino effect. You know, uh, the neighbor company uh, started to observe that uh, the, comp the competitor started to gain some value thanks to the cloud. So with the domino effect, they started using the cloud as well. And then uh, here we go, more and more companies use the cloud. And uh, and with a snowball effect and a, um, a successful uh, a proper, a success propagation, well, I think it, it is how we came today in a situation where um, nearly most of the companies uh, are using the cloud. Mm, gotcha. So it's more kind of like a, a competitive pressure. You know, there's no choice. It's just, it's just so inefficient to have on-premises that like you, you just, that's a new norm, right? People yes. just finally like that's that's uh, an example of when something in that Gartner hype cycle we, we talked about a bit earlier when something you know has passed the hype has dropped off and now is slowly getting to that you know it's become the new norm it's become it's come to that ta uh, plateau of stability where people have accepted it as not a hype anymore cloud you know before cloud was a hype now cloud is not hype cloud cloud is the new norm you know like we do stuff in the cloud right like Sometimes do like things for courses for our businesses. We do things in the cloud. It's just because the way that's the way things work, right? Yes. Um, Rahit posted a great question in the chat. Um, let me find it. Which cloud service is the leader in artificial intelligence? What are your thoughts on that, Ablan? Like we, we've used cloud, cloud quite a bit for our consulting services. Yeah, to me, there's absolutely no doubt that uh, the cloud service uh, leader in uh, AI is uh, AWS. No doubt. Uh, I've uh, used all of them. I, um, I have some actually good experience with all of them. And uh, the one I'm the most satisfied with, not only in terms of speed and also cost, but also of what results it can bring, is AWS. So I have nothing uh, with AWS. I'm not making some uh, uh, advertising for them. But uh, it's true that I have used all the cloud systems Try the, all of them, not only for the courses, but also for our business. And the one I am uh, the most comfortable with and, and the most satisfied with is AWS. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's, that's really cool. I, oh, I read a really interesting 
statistic. I'm reading a book now, um, and there they said that the Amazon for the Amazon business. I think it was in 2017. I should find those stats. Um, the the web services um, accounted for 120 or so, but more than 120 percent of their revenue or or profit. Profit, I think, yeah, 120 percent of their profit. And so, um, basically, don't quote me on the exact numbers, but basically, what that means is that um, that's the retail side of Amazon was still losing money, right? They're growing, they're scaling really fast, but they're in, in essence, they're losing money, but they're making up for it with their web services. And so hence they have to be good, right? They have to be some of the leading web services. No, they're doing a great job. Really. Uh, it's becoming better and better. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So um, that's three trends so far. So far we've talked about hybrid AI models. Don't forget. To, uh, it's maybe like, just under four hours left for your big announcement for a big uh, notification about that to come. Uh, data literacy and data moving to the cloud. All right. Next big trend. Uh, one of your favorite ones, Adlan, we're going to talk about Internet of Things. So um, before we dive into it, let's have a look at some of the stats. So doo -doo -doo -doo. the spending guide forecasts uh, Internet of Things spending. Well, Internet of Things spending is forecasted to experience a compound annual growth rate uh, of 13.6% over the 2018 to 2022 period and reach $1.2 trillion, not billion, $1.2 trillion with a T, T, trillion dollars by 2022. Um, the global spending this year is expected to be... Um, this amount to $772 billion um, when Internet of Things hardware will be largest technology category with valuation. So the Internet of Things hardware will be the largest technology category with a valuation of $239 billion, followed by services, software, and connectivity. Um, uh, Bain predicts that B2B Internet of Things segments will generate more than $300 billion annually by 2020. Uh, including, so this is just business to business Internet of Things, uh, including about 85 billion in the industrial sector. Uh, oh, what's this? Harley, Harley Davidson reduced its build to order cycle by a factor of 36 and grew overall profitability by 3% to 4% by shifting production to a fully IoT enabled plant, according to Cup Gemini. Uh, so that's just an example, a case study that Harley Davidson increase their build to order cycle by 36, a factor of 36 uh, with the, the use of Internet of Things. Uh, globally, a business to client B2C commerce is projected to invest $25 billion into Internet of uh, Things systems, software and platforms within two years. Healthcare and processes industries are projected to invest $15 billion each into Internet of Things. So there's some stats we can keep going. There's plenty more about what's happening in this space, just to give you a feel that things are heating up in the space of internal things. And now I'll pass over to you, Adlan, uh, one of your favorite topics, just to get everybody up to speed. What is Internet of Things? Let's start there. Well, uh, the first thing I have to say is, you know, based on what we've just talked about in this uh, webinar, is that an Internet of Things system is nothing else than, again, a hybrid intelligence system. Here we go. It is, an, and is a, it is another hybrid intelligence system. So 
it is really um, obvious that now everything is connected together. Like uh, the dots are connecting, you know. In AI, the new big trend are, is the hybrid intelligent systems. Uh, the next big trend in 2019s in terms of technologies will be the hybrid intelligent system in the IoT. So what is an IoT? What is uh, the hybrid nature coming from an IoT? Well, an IoT system is a system that will combine several uh, technologies, uh, starting with, of course, all the connected device, connected devices, uh, like the, the smart home, for example, is an IoT system, uh, the, the uh, smart uh, cars, uh, the, the smartphones as well. Uh, basically, when you drive and you have uh, your data connected to your insurance uh, to cal calculate at the end of the month uh, the, the probability of, um, of the cost, well, all that is, again, an IoT system. So it is a system that combines uh, hardware, devices, connected device with uh, technologies in, in form of softwares like artificial intelligence. And the next big IoT system that we're going to see, and that's why we must not forget about blockchain, is the combination of connected devices, hardware, then artificial intelligence, and then, of course, blockchain. These are going to be the best IoT systems combining today, the best uh, three technologies uh, that we have today. Uh, and so there we, we, we cannot uh, imagine, we can imagine the, the, the crazy number of applications we can find in IoT systems. It can be in, a, an, in the energy market, it can be in the, in the health industry, it can be in the, the transport industry. The, I, I gave an example basically of an IoT system in the transport industry when it is connected to the insurance or when it is connected to uh, other uh, IoT systems all around you so that it can um, prevent um, more and more accidents from happening. So there are crazy uh, applications. That, that's why I'm not surprised about the figures here that it's going to reach the T, the trillion dollar market by 2022. Uh, so because the, the applications are endless, there are endless applications of IoT. And besides, it combines the most powerful technologies that we have today. It is um, in the right alignment with this new trend of the hybrid intelligent systems. So to me, this is really the next thing to bet on, to invest on. And actually, if today I was, for example, a, a student in my last year of uh, my studies, I would really, really wor start working hard on that. Because when I uh, finished, uh, for example, my engineering studies, uh, well, the, the next big thing was about to be uh, uh, artificial intelligence. So I highly invested my work and energy on this. And, um, and that's how it all started for me. But uh, today, you know, uh, our AI, of course, is still developing crazy. But um, there's the new uh, hybrid intelligent uh, field coming. Uh, and, uh, and of course, IoT is going to be at the heart of this. And AI is going to be the, the, the fuel of IoT. So um, it's, it's really fascinating how uh, all the dots are now connecting, not only intrinsically in the AI ecosystem, but also extrinsically when we look at uh, the several technologies, big technologies today that uh, are combined together. So yeah, IoT, go for it, definitely. Oh, man, that's some, I loved uh, your uh, description and, and advice. Um, actually, sitting it, I was thinking, oh, that would be really cool. Like if I was, if I was at the start of my career, or like thinking of how to direct my career in data science, really powerful. What would you say is the, like, how can people actually study Internet of Things? Like uh, studying AI, I understand. You know, go and learn 
PyTorch or CatBoost or something like that. But like, um, what is Internet of Things? Like, we, we know, like we know what it is, but like, what is it in terms of what what skills do I need to pick up? What uh, courses do I need to take? What, what is what can I learn about Internet of Things apart from the actual just the, just the broad uh, general overview of the topic and like what's happening in the space? How can I actually get some hands-on knowledge in IoT? What do you think? So you remember how. Uh, you know, getting into data science is a very challenging task because it's not only about knowing statistics, it's also about knowing um, so computer science, statistics, uh, good mathematics, uh, algebra, probabilities. Whoa. There are a lot of uh, uh, things around data science that you have to get the skills on. Well, the bad news about IoT is that it's even worse than this because uh, in order to uh, tackle IoT, you will need uh, some solid skills and not only uh, math, data science, and artificial intelligence, and uh, and blockchains as well, but also in all the hardware stuff, the hardware side of things. Because indeed, here IoT is about building some uh, hardware systems as well. It's not only about software. You know, the good thing about software is that you can just code the things, but in hardware you'll have to build some um, some actual products, uh, and uh, you will need to know uh, not only all this, but you will need to know about embedded systems you will need to know about also robotics and uh, robotic programming like ROS you know ROS uh, rob uh, robotic uh, operating software which can combine you know, for example Raspberry Pi to your uh, software in order to create uh, an, an, an intelligent combination of software and hardware so it's really worse than the, the, the data science in terms of what skills you need to get uh, but um, the good news is that um, uh, you know, it's not tomorrow that we will uh, have a, a program about the uh, IoT system and how to become an IoT expert. So what I would um, recommend now is just to, you know, uh, really identify the different components of an IoT system, which I can already say today are artificial intelligence, blockchain, robotics, and, uh, and the connected devices. And therefore, we can start by studying them, st studying them separately. And at some point, you know, using uh, uh, using uh, our engineering, we can combine them and uh, and st and start to learn how to create good IoT systems. So, really, uh, the the answer to, to your question is first uh, understanding really understanding well the components separately, and then learn how to embed them into uh, a, a hybrid, as we said, intelligent system. Amazing, man. That's that's some some great advice. And I want to add to that that while it's hard, and it's good that you know we've been very transparent here. That indeed it is difficult to be to get some education in the space of IoT right now because it's such a such a new field, and you cannot like just jump into it and uh, go and take a course or something like that. Uh, none of that exists yet. So what I would do, like. At the same time, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking like, if this market is going to grow to 1.2 trillion dollars um, in the next couple of years, like there's massive opportunities there. And how cool would it be? Like, just to imagine. Like, let's forget about how to get there, but let's think about the result. Let's think in terms of results. How cool would it be to say that I am? I don't have my on my CV or on my LinkedIn or just to be able to state that I'm an expert. I'm an IoT expert. I'm an expert on the Internet of Things. Like instantly, and you, if you can actually prove that, instantly you'll have like millions of job opportunities. You'll have companies ripping you away with your hands and legs. And so, 
the question, so now you have the result in mind. The question is, how do you get to that result? What's, what's the pathway? It's not clear, but that, that's good in the sense that not many people will be able to take it until it, it clears up. So the people who do get through this thorny, difficult journey now will reap all the benefits. And so how would I go about it? Oh, I would take exactly what Adlan said and identify the different components of Internet of Things, uh, which are you know, artificial intelligence, blockchain, uh, dev connected devices. What, what else did you say? Uh, connected devices, uh, robotics, uh, blockchain, artificial intelligence, and uh, embedded systems, of course. Embedded systems. I would also add sensors to that uh, because you know, that, that's, a, that's a good one. And I would start, like what Adlan said, you can take it to the extreme, and start actually building stuff and, you know, like um, using microchips and components to actually build something out. Uh, there's a lot of like tutorials on YouTube. For instance, I saw one how to make a, uh, once you, like if you have what are called blinds on your window, like make those blinds open when you leave the room and make them close when you enter the room. So basically there's a sensor connected to your door or, or actually, no, there's a, there's a camera on that is set up that has computer vision like uh, with a Raspberry Pi uh, device uh, that is processing computer vision and that as soon as it sees movement, it closes the shutters uh, on the blinds. And so that's a very basic example. So I'll do a couple of those projects. That's an extreme case. You could do it simpler. You could, you could uh, you know, buy some sensors and just connect them to your phone via Bluetooth or you know, hook them up to your laptop, you do some deep learning on that and process that, like you know, images and stuff like that. Or you know, put them on your car and you know, process you know, how many cats and dogs you're seeing or, and, and then what something's happening on your computer based on that. Um, so do a couple of those on your own. Then go to like a local supermarket or a local um, store and tell them, hey guys, I can help you with Internet of Things. I can embed sensors on your shelves to help you better identify customers that are interested in certain products or you can market to them better. I would do a couple of those projects. And like within a year, I would do like three or four of those projects and I would get such a good grasp on IoT that I would actually put that on my resume. I would say I'm an expert in IoT. And then I would go to the local government and say, hey guys, you know, this is, this is what I can do for you. What projects do you have? And the governments have plenty. Like I actually heard of a, I think it was in Belgium. There's a, there's a city where they're um, building a system that smart cars that have like, you know, AI on board are going to talk to the buildings. They're going to communicate with the buildings they're driving by so that the buildings are going to tell them if there's another car around the corner. So basically, when you get to a traffic light, your car already knows if there's, there's another car coming or, or if, there's, you know, if the road is clear. And so they want to reduce the collisions like that. Uh, I know San Diego is building a smart city. That involves a lot of internet of things. Like, um, that is happening all over the place. And then that's one of the easy markets, like the low-hanging fruit. If you're an expert in IT, go to your local city, go to your government. They will have a project. That's what I'll do. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's IoT. We spent quite a bit of time on this. I think uh, important topic uh, to cover off. Um, let's move on to the next one. So this one will be interesting to get your thoughts on, Adlan, uh, because it is actually related to artificial intelligence and it is the rise of explainable AI. Something new, something... Uh, like an interesting thing that hasn't been around for long. Um, people are getting more and more concerned with artificial intelligence and uh, that it's, it adds value, but it's a black box.
that you don't know what's going on. You don't, you can't, you know, like with a machine learning algorithm, often you can actually look at the coefficients, you can just see what's happening, um, you know, like interpret it. Artificial intelligence is very hard, if not impossible, if not impossible to interpret at times. And so people are getting concerned with that. And so we're, what we're kind of feeling is happening is this rise of explainable artificial intelligence where uh, AI is built in a certain way that its findings and insights are designed that they can be explained and um, we can see what's actually going on. What do you think, Adlan? Why, why do you think, why do we think this is going to be an important trend in the next year? Well, it all has to do with control. Uh, in fact, uh, if you remember in uh, TSCO, I talked about the three levels of control. Uh, the first level of control is that indeed uh, today, um, you know, we are a bit uh, manipulated on the internet by, uh, you know, the data and some algorithms that uh, can influence our decisions. So that was uh, actually uh, uh, settled uh, in the events that we had in 2018. And this is actually um, uh, on, a, on a good way. It's actually making progress. Uh, but then the second uh, level of control has an to do with the, the black boxes, because if AI continues to be a black boxes, well, very well, it can uh, end up into into the right hands, but it could also end up into the, the wrong hands. And um, and in the wrong hands, if uh, the black box stays black box, well, it will be very uh, difficult to uh, prevent uh, the danger from uh, spreading uh, uh, around the world. So. I think that uh, black box uh, should not uh, be um, continuing. I think that uh, AI education should be spread as much as possible. The, the knowledge and understanding in AI should be spread spread as much as possible worldwide so that we can prevent uh, too much black box from happening uh, in the future. And therefore, uh, that's why some uh, governments are already um, making a plan to uh, you know, introduce some uh, artificial intelligence uh, courses in uh, in schools uh, already at, at, at a young level, um, and that, I, I think that's uh, in that spirit of uh, in that it is in that perspective of preventing too much black box from happening, um, and also uh, not only not only that not only about control. Uh, it's true that most of the time people don't like black boxes you know they they like to understand uh, what's inside the model they like to understand uh, where the results come from and how you know with some input you can get to the output so um, I think that uh, not only in terms of business whenever you introduce a model to for example your boss or a manager or an executive well you should definitely not come with a black box but with a a clear explanation of how the process works, and again, for that, uh, the best way to uh, um, you know spread the knowledge about AI and, and talk, talk about it around you, uh, so that uh, it becomes a uh, you know like a mainstream to understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you said it there, man. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much why. So. It's, I think this one is kind of like a risky bet for us uh, in terms of making this prediction. It can go either way, uh, but like we're gonna stick to it and let's see let's see how it works out in 2019 in terms of explainable AI. AI. Would be exciting to be to be part of that. You see to see how things go. All right, so that was explainable AI.
Um, the next trend that we are seeing is um, an interesting one that I really like is robotics process automation, RPA. So we had uh, some guests on the podcast, episode 173, for those who are wondering, experts in robotics process automation. This is an industry that is rapidly, rapidly changing the way we do uh, white collar work. Um, a lot of things that we do are manual and can be automated. So for instance, you could create an RPA, robotics process automation script that automates how you receive an email, process it, save a file, then send that file to somebody else later on. Uh, you know, data entry, data manipulation, data checking, uh, data processing, lots of things RPA can, uh, it's like the very low level of data, uh, like working with data, that a lot of that stuff can be uh, automated. So here are some stats. The global robotic process automation RPA market size is expected to reach $3.1 billion by 2025. According to a Grandview, according to a study done by Grandview Research, the global market is estimated to expand uh, at a um, compound annual growth rate of 31.1% during this period from now to 2025. Um, different organizations in different sectors are increasingly challenged by the growing market competition due to shift in technology and changing computer and changing consumer preferences. Um, so. That's that. As you can see, it's not massive yet. It's not in the trillions of dollars like we saw with uh, Internet of Things or cloud computing, but it's a really new space. It's a really new space, and um, it's starting to disrupt businesses. It's really helping businesses save a lot of efficiency, uh, let's save a lot of cost and get a lot of efficiency. Um, I personally think that RPA is, like if you look for um, robotics process automation on Glassdoor, is it's like got thousands of job offers right now. Uh, it's very new, so it's very easy to get into it and become like a subject matter expert, an expert in the space of RPA. Uh, what are your thoughts on robotics process automation at Lund? Like it's not a massive market, not yet. It's still in the billions of dollars, but would you say that it is valuable to, for people to consider it? Absolutely, and uh, again, the, the dots are connecting because RPA is actually one component of IoT because RPA will allow you to build some good, hi, uh, not hybrid, but good uh, uh, device systems, good hardware. Because RPA is uh, is all about automating processes in uh, in, in big systems. So uh, where you have when you have the the IoT system, which is a large process of things happening, well RPA will definitely bring its added value. So okay, it's not going to uh, reach a double-digit billion, billion market, billion-dollar market, but it is an essential component of some more uh, valued markets like IoT, uh, which, uh, which therefore will leverage it for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So yeah, there's something to look into, RPA, new exciting technology on the block. Okay, uh, next trend. So far we have hybrid models, data literacy, cloud computing, rise of oh, Internet of Things, rise of explainable AI, and RPA, right? Uh, so what does that make? One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, we're going to do two more trends, two more trends. Uh, the next trend is something that with this, all this rise of technology and all this rise of different artificial intelligence 
algorithms and um, RPA and and just all these things we talked about, Internet of Things, they, um, explainable AI and things like that. There is more and more room for people who are connecting insights to people who are making decisions. And that is the data scientists that participate in data storytelling. So the data scientists that can actually explain insights and findings in simple, understandable manner. Um, so what, what we're seeing is for one indication for how we can assess, really hard to assess a market like that, you know, data storytelling, is it growing, is it not growing? But something that we're seeing is that um, the visualization market is growing. That's kind of like a, you, in order to explain insights, most of the time you need to visualize those insights. And what we're seeing, like before our programming was a golden standard for years, but now like uh, with its libraries and ggplot2, uh, but now we've got tools like Tableau has been around for ages as well. It's also grown substantially. If you look at the Gartner um, Magic Quadrant, you will see how like Tableau is in the lead, but now tools like Power BI from Microsoft, uh, ClickView, and others are catching up with uh, Tableau, and like they're all very heavily investing in these tools. Um, also, what you can see is Python. Uh, has got its Plotly and Seaborn libraries are catching up very rapidly as well. Uh, both R and Python um, have posed competition for to these tools that are for visualization like Tableau with their own libraries which allow to build uh, interactive dashboards such as Shiny uh, in the case of um, R and Dash in the case of Python to build BI solutions. So as uh, we can see from this space, more and more energy and resources is being invested into the visualization and into the data storytelling market. When when we were uh, Data Science Go, like um, a good number of our speakers, at least several speakers were talking about, even if not directly, but indirectly, their talk was related to data storytelling, how important that is. So we see that as a trend. We see that as something that's going to continue being super important, especially with this technology. This technology is not actually going to push out data storytelling. It's going to make data storytelling even more important. Um, what are your comments on that, Adlan? What do you, what do you think, as, a, as an artificial intelligence expert, what would you say about data storytelling? Uh, I, I would say that it is really, really, really important. I uh, would say that uh, um, managing to uh, leverage your story to, uh, for uh, whatever you want to do with data science uh, is, is really, really uh, efficient and helpful. Uh, for example, um, when, I, uh, when I started, um, what my, the first step of my story helped me reach the next step of the story. And then the next step of the story helped me reach the next step of the story. So each time I can see how, uh, you know, uh, we, we talked about connecting the dots. I can see how uh, being really aware of uh, uh, the, my experience in data science uh, helped me to reach that next step in my in, in my story. So um, I think that uh, uh, it was one of the top subjects uh, topics in uh, data science go, uh, and it also comes with uh, what uh, Ben Taylor talked about about uh, building an uh, AI legacy, uh, which uh, for which uh, having good, good uh, storytelling can be very powerful. Also, mm. yeah. Oh, that's very cool. And that's cool to hear from, you know, you're a very technical person. You're in the space of artificial intelligence. Really cool to hear from you, you know, like a, 
not uh, people might be a bit concerned that like in the heavy heavy AI you don't really need that in reality you actually do it's a very very powerful skill to have okay so that's been seven trends and now we're going to move on to uh, our eighth trend and our eighth trend that we've identified is natural language processing or NLP for short um, so the NLP market size is estimated to grow from uh, 7.63 billion dollars in which was in 2016 to 16.07 billion by 2021 uh, which represents a compounded annual growth rate of 16.1 percent uh, the major forces driving the NLP market uh, are increase in demand for enhanced customer experience increase in usage of smart devices number of emerging options in application areas uh, increased investment in healthcare industry, increased deployment of web and cloud-based business applications, and growth in machine-to-machine -machine technology. Uh, this is from markets and markets.com. What are your thoughts on uh, natural language processing, Adlan? Do you think it's uh, going to be a major trend in the, or why, why do you think it's going to be a major trend in 2019? Yes, definitely. Uh, it's going to be a major trend, and the reason is because it is directly linked to uh, the big uptrend of artificial intelligence. Uh, because AI is making so much progress, and actually now we consider that one of the branch of artificial intelligence is deep NLP, you know, when you combine natural language processing to deep learning. And so right now, companies like big tech companies are trying to build more and more sophisticated uh, assistants, virtual assistants, or uh, artificial intelligence that uh, uh, contribute uh, um, in your daily life, either in your business or uh, at your home, well, of course, a center element of this uh, assistant is NLP. It is the system that will uh, make uh, the robot uh, talk with you on either a general task or specific task. And actually, there is a lot of research uh, being developed right now. There a lot of uh, uh, AI scientists are um, spending, uh, uh, are dedicating a lot of energy onto this with uh, uh, researching about the new state-of-the-art models in deep learning for NLP. And uh, these are um, um, the ones related to the sec-to-sec -sec models, sequence-to-sequence -sequence models, the lossless triplet loss, which is the, uh, the latest, I think, state-of-the-art model in uh, NLP, deep NLP. And so, yes, the research is here. It is, uh, it, it is happening. And, uh, and of course, this is to, uh, to, um, to leverage all the, um, the opportunities uh, regarding the chatbots, but also the opportunities in the diverse industries where NLP uh, can be used, as you mentioned, and, um, and, uh, and also the AI assistants that we have. For example, uh, Alexa, Amazon Alexa, has made progress thanks to NLP. Uh, and we can also talk about OK Google. So yes, this is happening. And this is definitely one of the big trends in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I, I recently got my first Amazon Alexa. So Yeah, so interesting. So interesting yeah. to, to try it out. Still, still yeah. not there. I thought it would be much, much smarter. Still not there where I expected it to be. But that just means there's a lot of room for improvement in the coming years. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, that was natural language processing, um, and that was our eighth trend. So let's quickly recap on them. First one was hybrid AI models and the full world model, um, and how that is going to 
really impact. That was our biggest prediction for 2019, something we're most excited about, and a course that we are releasing in a couple of hours that you uh, can join us on to learn about hybrid AI models. Number two was data literacy um, on how organizations are more and more educating their all their staff, all their personnel, and creating what is called the citizen data scientist to help them become more data-driven. Number three was data moving to the cloud faster than ever and the cloud market growing to um, $206 billion in 2019, which is 17.3% growth, and why companies are growing going into that direction. Uh, number four was Internet of Things and how this is a massive market. As now, now it probably is very cool, great to see it in comparison. It like dwarfs everything else. You know, even the cloud market is only going to be two hundred and six billion dollars, which is already a massive one. But the Internet of Things market is predicted to grow to one point two trillion dollars by twenty twenty two. Something to keep in mind and something to get on top of ASAP. Uh, number five was the rise of explainable AI and the whole concept of uh, companies, organizations, and even governments not really trusting artificial intelligence and what is going to happen there and is something actually going to happen. We think something will happen in 2019. Keep your eyes open for explainable AI. Number six, robotics process automation, a very interesting tool, something that I have recommended to many data scientists market that will grow to $3.11 billion by 2025, uh, reshaping how we do white-collar work and replacing repetitive tasks, helping people free their time and focus on more meaningful things. A very interesting trend as well. Uh, next one was number seven, uh, data storytelling uh, is a new language of corporations. We are witnessing a rise in different visualization software from Tableau to Click to Power BI to uh, Python's Plotly and Seaborn to Shiny dashboard in R, Dash dashboards in, tab in uh, Python. Um, all of this is signaling to us that data storytelling is now more important than ever, especially with the rise of super powerful artificial intelligence tools and machine learning software we need to be able to explain those insights. And those are the most successful data scientists, by the way, those who can tell stories to the executives and the business decision makers. This trend will continue in our view and it's something to incorporate in your career regardless of your level. And trend number eight, natural language processing. So then NLP market is estimated to grow to 16 Point zero seven billion dollars by 2021. As you can see, all of the major players from Google to Microsoft to Apple, they're all jumping onto uh, providing better customer service to their clients with natural language processing. Something also to get good at because that can be somewhere where your career will take you. There we go. Eight trends, man. Exciting times. Exciting, exciting times and. Uh... An exciting webinar as well. It was so good to to talk about all this. I was actually saying on the on the chat that uh, uh, you know we're always happy to to discuss our passion, but it's even more exciting when we are discussing it live with the rest of the world. So that was a, a truly great experience and uh, such a good way to end the year. For sure, for sure, and um, yeah, and also 
uh, man, very excited for your course launch or for our course launch, but like, man, as for the amount of work that you've been putting into it, I highly, highly recommend for everybody on the webinar to look out to your emails in the next three hours, three hours and 10 minutes to make sure you don't miss the opportunity to get the new hybrid AI model course with the super valuable bonuses. That's right, that's right. I have never been that excited to work on an artificial intelligence like that. And indeed, the bonuses are super, super valuable. So huge. Okay. All right, our predictions all wrapped up. Thank you guys so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Once again, it's available on video version. You can find it at superdatascience.com slash 223. There you'll also find all the show notes, all the materials that we mentioned or maybe used in the research for uh, this episode. If you want to look into any of them, then head on over to superdatascience.com slash 223. Um, and by the way, if you're not connected on LinkedIn with Adlan or me, then make sure to do that as well. You'll find the URLs uh, on that same page. Um, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed our podcast and uh, our uh, accuracy rate for 2018 predictions. Let's see how it goes in 2019. Some very interesting, exciting topics and developments. Can't wait to take this journey in 2019 together with you. If you're interested in hybrid AI models, a good starting point is to check out the hybrid AI course, or which is also called the AI Masterclass. You can find the links in uh, the show notes at superdatascience.com slash 223. Other than that, we'll be releasing plenty more exciting courses and updates in 2019, and we both together, Adlan and I, and the whole of the Super Data Science team, we all look forward for you to be part of this journey and we want to make you as successful as possible in 2019. We want you to become the most successful version of yourself this year. On that note, thank you so much, you guys, for being here. Once again, Happy New Year, and I look forward to seeing you throughout 2019. Until then, happy analyzing.